You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Welcome back to The Devoted Podcast. I hope you guys have had a great week. We are going to look at, well, I'm trying to get through all of Psalm 23, but I'm not real sure if that's going to happen. So this is going to show you my lack of planning or... I don't know, my notes of spontaneity here. I'm not real sure. But I really want to focus on the beginning part of Psalm 23. So we'll just see how far this gets us. So bear with me. We'll see how this goes. But I thought this was a good thing for us to take a peek at because right now at Athey Creek in our women's ministry, we're doing some virtual small groups that are mostly focused on just connection and prayer for the gals. But we're also sitting in Psalm 23 right now. We are just taking a look at the psalm, staying on the same page with it, reading it time and time again. And I I cannot think of a better time to be in scripture in general, but specifically I have found this Psalm 23 to just be so refreshing. So I wanted to just take an episode just to focus on Psalm 23. So whether or not you're joining us in our small groups or not, no big deal, but you can you know, hear this, and then maybe you just want to follow along and and spend some time in Psalm 23 over this summer. Um, A book that we are recommending, and I'll probably reference it a little bit later, is Philip Keller's A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. And it's just a really great book and kind of gives you a fresh look at this psalm a little bit. So, but before we jump into Psalm 23, I want to preface this with, you know, the week that I was preparing for this episode, we were smack in the middle of still feeling like our country was just 100% upside down. I mean, we're not even really through the COVID situation. And we see all this stuff on our TVs and this the, the horrific killing of George Floyd by Derek Chauvin. And then we were just kind of thrown into this fire, literally and figuratively, I suppose, of the rioting and the hate that was just literally felt like it was being spewed from every corner, so divisive. And it was just, as you see all this, whether you're watching it on the news, whether you're watching it on your social media feed, it's just, it's so awful. And I don't know how you cannot look at all of this that we're seeing and you you don't just absolutely see in living color the difficult and perilous times that are described in Second Timothy 3. I mean, it just, I, I don't, that's what this is. That's what this is. This is difficult and perilous times in every stretch of the, of the, of the word. So I know, I don't know about you, but if you are on social media, it's just, it's become deci- divisive and ugly on all sides. And it's kind of hard to not feel sucked in by it. And then at the same time, just be terribly grieved for for what you're hearing on all sides, you know. And, you know, I don't want to jump into the current debate, however tempting that may be, because at the I was kind of challenged and encouraged by something that our pastor said at Athey Creek. And if you are not following us on, on atheycreek.com, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to uh, Pastor Brett did a prophecy update on June 5th. And also is teaching this last weekend. We're just so, so great. But particularly that prophecy update, one of the things I took away from a a lot of things that were so, so good. But one of the things was when you're seeing all of this stuff being played out right before us, to take a step back from the emotionalism, you know, to pause, be quiet, 
before the Lord. Boy, is anything quiet right now? No, it feels like everybody has to say something like right away. But to pause and and just to pray and and guard our tongues. I like how the NLT puts Proverbs 10, 19. It says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. I love the directness of that. And I, I just think for me and for probably all of us culturally, generally speaking, how true that is. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. There's some words to live by right there. So, but with all that going on in the background, this short but powerful psalm is just soothing to my soul. And and on that, I just want to say, if you're finding yourself in a fearful and kind of worked up place by all that's going on, can I encourage you to step away, step away from the noise and just get into scripture. The contrast to the world that scripture presents, you just find this tremendous piece that is just nearly tangible. I'm just giving you my experience with that just in preparing for this, just that feeling of being absolute peace when you're reading scripture. And then you go over and check your social media feed and it's just garbage. So just be encouraged to maybe walk away from some of the noise and find find just some peace in, in scripture. I, I want to just read the entire Psalm 23. And then, like I said, we're going to go back to the first part and we're going to camp out there. We're going to see how far we get, but let's just read the whole Psalm and get started with that. It's a short Psalm. And probably most of you have this memorized. I mean, if you're reading, if you're listening to this at your sink or you're folding laundry or you're driving, you're probably, for the most of you, you're going to be able to recite this with me. So, so do that. If you are listening to this and you can follow along in the ESV, this is what Psalm 23 says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So was I right? I mean, just hearing those words, does that not sound about 5 million times better than anything you're going to see on social media today? Yes, it does. So just starting off with that very first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. Okay, we're just going to stop right there because what are we identifying here as something that this tells us about the Lord. We talked about in the the episode we did about studying scripture that we want to, when we look at scripture, we want to say, what does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about his character? And here it says that the Lord is, it's describing him as a shepherd. Now, I don't know what kinds of pictures you get in your head of, you know, sweet pastoral images of a guy in a robe and, you know, a shepherd's crook. But I, when I think of that picture, it's sweet, but I don't necessarily think of it with any godly attributes just in and of itself. So like I said, we're going to jump to John 10 in a second, because I think we see a description that gives us a little bit more of a fuller picture of God's character that we see in this verse. But I wanted to stop us before we get to that part and focus on what it's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Two little letters, my, just a tiny little pro- pronoun. 
But we see this ownership piece so often in scripture. You'll see places where it'll say, he is my God. He is my shelter. And here it says, he's my shepherd. And I I don't think we can skip over that little pronoun. Like I said, this is a psalm that is so familiar to us that sometimes familiarity can be dangerous and it can lead to just almost this benign sense of really the power that's here. And that ownership part is so important because that's really what makes the connection to the relationship. He is my shepherd. And that's the part that's really critical. You can identify that he is a shepherd or a God or a way, but in just one pronoun, you have hijacked the entire gospel message if you do that. So right here out of the gate in the Psalm 23, really we see what he's laying the foundation for what our relationship to this shepherd is and what it's to look like. And and the point is it needs to be personal. We need to really own that. We need to own that he's my shepherd. I, For me, I don't know, as a believer for a long time, there is just an endearing element of knowing that he allows me even to to do this, that I, I get to call him my shepherd. And that's amazing. But there needs to be that personal relationship piece to this. You cannot just look at this from like an academic or uh, just this sweet little picture of Jesus. You need to see that he is asking, he's wanting to be your shepherd and my shepherd. So. I just don't want us to glaze over those little pronouns. They seem like insignificant, but if you pause, there's really a lot of power there in just the ownership that he gets to be our shepherd. So I wanted to pause there, but then let's look at a little fuller commentary on the shepherd himself. And if we look in John 10, that's where Jesus is talking to his disciples and giving them this this story here and this description, a beautiful metaphor. And he says in John 10, if you go down to verse 11, which again, if you're driving, you're not going anywhere. So I'm going to read it to you. But John in verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And then further down in verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd again. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So we learn a really important piece about the character of God in that. Because the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So we have a picture here of Jesus in the Psalms, right? Because this, and this just, that's what makes this such a powerful verse. Because the Lord is my shepherd and then John 10 defines what that shepherd does. And it says he lays down his life for the sheep. So we see this amazing sacrificial love that God has for us, his sheep. So now we got to pause at at, at the sheep part. Sheep are a metaphor for us. Can I I tell y'all that this is not a compliment? This is not a compliment. As a kid, I, I grew up in Wyoming on a big ranch and we had sheep. And it was really my grand grandfather that raised the sheep. But how this worked is every spring when the lambs were born, it would never fail. Either there would be a, a, a mama that would not be able to, maybe she had have two lambs and she couldn't feed them both. or And so she would just leave one. Um, sometimes the mom would die or maybe in a snowstorm, something would happen. And so we every year we would have anywhere 
between a handful to even sometimes as much as a dozen of these lambs, and we called them bum lambs. I'm not enough of a farming ranch expert to really know if that's what everybody calls them, but I know that's what we called them. So granddad would kind of farm out to us the bum lambs for us grandkids to take care of. So if you're going to hear in these next couple minutes of me describing sheep, and if you don't hear in my voice a whole lot of love for sheep, you would not be wrong. I do not love sheep. They are truly the dumbest animal possible. And, you know, like I said, I'm going to be jaded here because, yes, I was probably 13 and I had to get up at 5 a.m. and mix the milk up and put it in their bottles, which they would then, like, again, not even smart enough to know how to do that. They would spill it all over themselves. They would run into each other. I mean, they were just, they were just ridiculous. But I remember, actually, I, I think I remember even talking to my dad about this because I was not loving this chore of taking care of these bum lambs. You're, it's fun for like the first 24 hours when you think they're cute and you're like, oh, this is going to be such a fun responsibility. Then it's not fun. Like the first time that they throw milk all over you or whatever they do at 5am. So but I remember my dad drawing this uh, conclusion for me, helping me to see this picture here and pointing out that we in the Bible, we are likened to sheep. So here in Psalm 23, that we see that the Lord is my shepherd, again, making that metaphor of us being the sheep. But then I also love in Isaiah 53, 6, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Boy, that's the beautiful part of that verse. But first, let's just look at the fact of the not really awesome news, the not really great compliment that you and I are likened to sheep. In that book I told you about, Philip Keller's book, he talks about how, you know, if a jackrabbit kind of pops out of a bush or something in, in the midst of a bunch of sheep, that they'll literally, it'll cause them to stampede. They are very easily spooked, skittish. And will once they see one of them doing it, they just kind of all, all just kind of go in the flow and they can cause damage. They can hurt themselves. I've read stories of them getting scared and, and literally just jumping, falling off a cliff because they just don't know any better. There are literally the dumbest creatures possible. And again, we are sheep. So I, I don't think the Lord means it in a mean way, but I think it's kind of right. You know what I mean? I mean, if when we looked at all of the things that have been going on around us these last several months, whether it was the way people responded to the crisis with COVID or the way people responded with uh, all the unrest and all the things going on, there was a lot of people fearful, spooked, just going crazy. Like I said, not making a whole lot of sense and a whole lot of fear. So when you look at that, you're like, huh, yeah, I, I actually can see that similarity there between us and sheep. And I think I need that reminder sometimes because I think I can think that, oh, no, I, I, I know what's going on. I, I've got this figured out. And I love just kind of the sweet, gentle reminder of, no, Amy, you're, you're still a sheep. You are still a sheep. So I like that we see that here in, in John 10, that he is our good shepherd and that he laid down his life for his sheep. And we are the sheep in this story. And back to that beautiful part of that verse in Isaiah 53, 6, where it says, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
that right there is also complementing what we're seeing about what we read in John 10 of that the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. It's one of the things I love about the Old Testament is you really do so, see so many pictures of Jesus within it. You see it there in Isaiah 53. You see the gospel really just even in that first verse of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He's our shepherd. And then John 10 tells us that he lays down his life for his sheep, seeing that sacrificial picture and character of who God is. So I think this is a humbling and yet fitting picture of us as sheep. But I also want to look at the next part of that, uh, verse one, when it says, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How content do I always feel with the sufficiency of who Christ is? I shall not want. We don't sit in that space very well, do we? Let me read to you a little earlier, a verse or two from John 10. So in verse 7 of John 10, it says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's again what we read in verse 11. So here we see another picture of what Jesus is, but I wanted to point this out because I think there it kind of shows us why that verse in 23 verse 1 of Psalm of I shall not want the simplicity. He's the door. It's all that we need. He's saying he is the good shepherd. And I, I, if you read the, the book I've talked about or earlier, the Philip Keller book, you know, it talks about often that the, in, that the shepherd himself actually would put himself as the door that was corralling the sheep in. Like he is literally his person is the door. And so Jesus is, is making that same statement of himself. And he says, I am the door. And I, I think what I like about that is there's just how many ways in and out of a door? I mean, y- you're either going to go through it or you're not, but it's pretty simple. And so in that, I, I see the sufficiency of it, you know, the and what he's saying in verse one of I shall not want. But he also gives us some warnings. And I, I think we should note that in the context of this too, because here he talks about the, um, the thief and he later calls them stranger. And then at the beginning of chapter 10, he talks about um, thieves and robbers. And he also mentions a uh, hired hand. And I think these are important for us, especially in these days, to pay attention to. Because there are a lot of things that are coming to scatter the flock, to steal, to kill, and destroy. Those words should sound familiar because that's what the enemy seeks to do. He seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. But they're often amongst the sheep. And he's giving this warning here of saying, sometimes it will be thieves and robbers or it be strangers. But then one time it points out in there, or a hired hand. I think that's an interesting one because a hired hand, the sheep might trust initially. You know, they might think that this this is someone who's coming in place of the shepherd, so we can trust them. 
And boy, do we see that sometimes. We see that with, you know, folks that e- either at one time were teaching a solid doctrine and were teaching the gospel that maybe aren't anymore. But we trusted them, perhaps, because, you know, it was a, they, it might be in that hired hand category, trying to do the work for the shepherd. But I think a lot of times now, especially, and I, and I know they're in other worlds, it's just in women's ministry, I happen to kind of live amongst uh, being really aware, I think, of the wolves that are among us for women and the things that they're telling us. And so I think we have to be really careful because these wolves come in to scatter the flock. They come to steal, to kill, destroy, and don't be fooled because they might look like a hired hand. They might look like someone that we could trust to do what the work of the shepherd is intending to do. But we have a warning in, in John 10 to not go there. So I think we need to be careful about that. So on one hand, I think you see here this, just this picture in Psalm 1. See, we've gotten through one verse. Though the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, cool, pretty easy. But again, keep in mind that we are sheep. And so we need to be heeding these words of watching out for this competition and the warnings that are out there with the wolves and all these things that just watch out for that. Don't fall for the deception, but accept the gospel of this message that you have in verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay, we're going to attempt to get through a couple more and hopefully go a little bit more quickly. Verse two says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Waters in the scriptures always, it speaks of the water of the word. And I, I feel like that circles back to what we were talking about earlier. Walk away from the noise. Come back to the water of the word. And then it talks about in verse, then it goes on in verse three, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse four says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. There's a little bit more of that verse, but I want to pause right there because I know that, man, these days do feel pretty dark sometimes. It feels like we're walking in the, in the valley of, of death a bit. And some of us don't like this part of Psalm 23 in general because it reminds us of too many funerals. And there's sadness there. But at the same time, I guess within the context of this whole psalm of being reminded that the Lord is our shepherd, that we know that the shepherd sacrificially lays his life down for the sheep, that his purpose, he wants to lead us. It said in verse two, he wants to direct us. And where does he want to direct us? Beside the still waters. He wants to direct us in the word. And I love in verse three that it's telling us that that word, it is restoring our soul and helping to lead us in the paths of righteousness. In the paths of righteousness, we can see so many correlations with verses in Proverbs that are calling on us to be discerning and and showing discretion and having wisdom about the path that we walk on. He leads me in the path of righteousness. I love that. But that with the valley of the shadow of death, again, I know that when it sounds dark, but then look how he follows it up. And he says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. 
Those two lines are smack dab in the middle of this psalm. I will fear no evil for you are with me. If you're getting distracted, if you're getting sucked into the noise that's going on, if you could just meditate on those two words, commit those two words to memory. I will fear no evil for you are with me. And the thing is, like, think about the you we're talking about. We're talking about that God is near us, that God is with us. And in this psalm, we're talking about him as the good shepherd that loved us so much that he died for us. That is who we're talking about is who is with us. To finish that verse in verse four, it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, people go back and forth about this verse the, um, because the rod and the staff are, they're more pictures a little bit of discipline that can go on. The rod itself is, is kind of a club, you know, because there's times that we need a little bit of correction to get us back on the path. If a sheep were to stray too much and just constantly going off on its own, going to get itself hurt, going to get itself lost, and the shepherd was, was trying to keep the sheep, he would take the rod and he would actually break the little, lamb sheep, the little lamb's legs. And while for some of you, I may have just completely crushed your Hallmark picture, then he would take that sweet sheep with broken legs and he would bind them up. And he would put the sheep over his shoulders and he would carry that sheep around day in and day out until its legs had healed. And by doing so, the sheep would become so accustomed to the sound of the shepherd's voice, even the smell of the shepherd, that once those legs had been healed, like the lamb didn't go anywhere. He would put him down and he would just stay right by his side. And I think for me, I take this one a little personally from different places I've been in, where maybe it wasn't necessarily a correction, but I definitely felt like my legs were broken a little bit to that place that if you've been in a spot of, of grief or trauma or something that you've gone through that's just been so hard, you felt like you couldn't walk. But I also felt that peace, that nearness of the Lord, feeling like he kind of carried me through. And how he carried me through was by being in the word, hearing it over and over, even at times when I, I didn't feel like reading the word, I would listen to it. And I think as I look back on that, did I know at that time that that's what I was trying to do? No, I was just trying to get through. And I honestly think it was just the Lord just divinely covering me. But what it caused me to do was to listen for his voice closely, to hear it. And then you, just, you, then you just recognize it. So that when you come out of that valley, that place that was seeming really, really dark, it was dark, but I can see where the Lord was in it. I feel I knew that his presence was there with me. I knew that he was walking with me. And coming away from that, it's even more sweet. Perhaps a little bit like that lamb would feel knowing just sticking right by the shepherd. He wasn't mad, you know, sheep, again, not bright, that the shepherd, that the legs were broken. But he knew the care that the shepherd had with the sheep, you know, even again, they're dumb. But 
he had bound up the legs and helped him and carried him around. Again, I, as I've already told you, I, I'm not such a fan of sheep. I cannot imagine carrying a sheep around your neck for weeks at a time. That would not be my idea of a good time. But I love that picture that it's saying, because if we are like the sheep, we're not really that fun to be draped around anything either. But the good shepherd does that for us. It just, again, shows us that sacrificial nature, I think, of God. Okay, let's read these last couple verses. Um, Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Here, I love the juxtaposition of coming out of the shadow of the, uh, the valley of the shadow of death and coming from this little example of maybe a bit of correction and some pain even of the rod to this place of blessing and to the place where it says my cup overflows. And then it finishes the psalm with surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't even feel like that needs anything else said to it. You know, I mean, there. That's what we get to look forward to. And I feel like as dark as these days are, I think you can all see with me why this psalm has been so comforting. Because you can see us, you can see us, the sheep, getting freaked out. But you can also see the shepherd, the good shepherd, that loves us so much that there's the sacrificial love of what he's willing to do for the sheep. And then John 10 telling us that he would die, that he was laying down his life for the sheep. And then the ultimate picture at the end, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Boy, am I looking forward to that. So we did make it through the whole psalm. I know I didn't spend as much time on the last part of, uh, part of Psalm 23. But do your own study too. Don't be afraid to jump in. Don't be afraid to like we suggested in the the last one with uh, studying scripture. Pull out, you know, get a copy of Psalm 23 that you print out on your on your printer and and uh, double space it and define some things and look up some things. Maybe grab the Philip Keller book that I talked about. It's like $6.99 on Amazon, I think. And jump into this a little bit and study some stuff for yourself because you will 100% be so rewarded for your time that you spend in the word and getting to know the character of the Lord better. You will 100% probably waste your time listening to the noise and being distracted by all the things that are in our culture right now. So sit in Psalm 23, and I would encourage you to do some of your own study on this, but I, I just I think you will be so rewarded when you find your as a sheep getting a little anxious and maybe a little spooked just go read the psalm again and again and i pray you will find peace and all the things that the good shepherd has to offer us so thanks for joining me today and we will see you next time thank you for tuning in to the devoted podcast we are a ministry of av creek christian fellowship in westland oregon For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at apcreek.com.